<laughs> it would work if I had the mic on, am I right? All right. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Jason Lyon, Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. Uh, hope you guys have been well. This is the Friday night show, wrapping up the week. We've had kind of a, we've had some some troubled waters over here at Muddy Waters throughout the week. Uh, both Spike and Matt have medical purpose or reasons for not being able to do their shows this week. Um, so I hope you guys will will join me and and the best of thoughts, wishes, and prayers for for those two to uh, to recuperate and be able to come back and, and provide the great content that they've been doing uh, week in and week out for long ass time um <coughs> while while we're talking about them and <coughs> pardon me while we're talking about them i do want to give a thanks to muddy waters uh media for allowing me to come on here use the platform be able to talk to you guys and uh be able to share my thoughts my opinions my views on on the things that are happening in this in this country and around the world um and be able to bring things back to liberty by utilizing the platform. So big thank you to them. Um, I want to give a big shout out to everyone out there for, for coming in here, for joining in, for sharing this out, giving support. Uh, you know, I, I love you and I adore you. And I thank you so much for spending your time taking, uh, taking your Mondays and Fridays to spend it with me, Miss America, the bearded truth, Jason Lyon. Um, if you guys, is it, if this is your first time coming in here, uh, I am your neighborhood friendly libertarian talking to you guys, like I said, about about the, the politics, the social issues around this country and around the world to bring it back to you, the individual. And so tonight's show, we once again have it packed. We got it packed, guys um, and gals. I don't want to be offensive. We do have over there in the Supreme Court, Supreme Court was talking about bump stocks. So we got, we got to cover a little bit of that. Uh, it was more of a rejection, but nonetheless, we'll talk about that. Um, Alex Jones has been making the news because he had to have uh, uh, his dissemination um, about the Sandy Hook shooting and that whole entire fiasco. And so that is something that as a as a content provider, that is, this is something that is it's important. It's a, it's it's vital um, with the way that this goes through for the future of me, for the future of, of Spike, for the future of Mac, for the future of anyone who produces content. Uh, this is a big story, and um, so I don't. I, I hope you guys aren't going to go to your uh, your gut feelings on this, but instead. Allow it to uh, allow me to to bring this to you guys to make sure that you guys are are of sound mind when you're thinking about this. Um, <clears throat> uh, we're going to talk about Trump, of course, and his his threat to shut down the border and remove avocados within three weeks. The hysteria, the media, uh, just outrage. That, that ensued from that, so we got to talk about that. We're going to bring it back here to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, for a story about a woman who was charged for um, for a situation from back in 1990. This is this is a big case because it's it, we'll we'll get into that. Um, Julian Assange is being brought up, and we got to talk about him because that's. Of course, Julian Assange, big guy, big character. Uh, Jussie Smollett, still, still making it to the media airwaves, and uh, this time it is not just him that's getting it, but also Fox, uh, Kim Fox, not Fox News. 
And so we'll, we'll talk about her. And uh, we got one more story about something that the Republicans did in order to help out health care in this country. That's right, Democrats, you guys don't get to do all the help. And um, the last thing that I really – this might be the big uh, – this and the Alex Jones are going to be the two big ones. Um, if you guys listen to Dave Smith, part of the problem, you guys might have already seen this information, but uh, Ben Burgess, the author of Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left, he talks about how or he tries to make an argument that taxation is not theft. And so I want to, I want to take my time uh to, uh, and, and uh, use a little bit of the show here tonight to be able to break this down because – uh, taxation is theft, point blank, period. And then, of course, Yemeni war has got to be uh, got to be discussed once again. So, thank you guys for being here. Um, I appreciate you guys all for for joining in tonight. And uh, like I said, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy everything that we covered tonight. I know that. For some reason, and and I don't know, maybe it's my settings, maybe maybe it's something that I'm doing. I can only get one of the streams, and so right now we're coming from the Muddy Waters Periscope page. I had it to where I was getting both of them, but this time it's just one. We'll make it. We'll make it work, nonetheless. I gotta. I get. Let me give one quick share, real quick, and then we will be right as rain to go through all the topics and all the all the conversations. So this gives you guys time if you guys would like to help share this out and to help make the platform bigger. Copy link. So. The big stories, I, I, I think we're going to, I want to get into the, um, I want to get into the Alex Jones story first. Let's get this big one out of the way, and then uh, we'll hit a lot of the other topics, and we'll finish off with the taxation is theft uh, discussion, because that's vital, that's important um, that we hit that. So, if you guys don't know what's going on with Alex Jones, Alex Jones has actually uh, had to defend himself against charges that he defamed the families or of folks killed in the mass shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newington or Newton in Newton, Connecticut, in 2012 by claiming some form of psychosis. Well, if you heard that, you heard wrong, according to his lawyer. Um, and he says, I know this because I represent Alex Jones in three suits pending against him in Connecticut. He faces a related suit defended by a separate counsel in, in Texas. Alex Jones is not psychotic. He plans to defend himself on the same grounds that protect those who take such joy in ridiculing him. The First Amendment, the right of freedom of speech. Now, what Alex Jones did, um, if you guys recall, most people do know about Alex Jones in the way that uh, he took that situation. He took Sandy Hook and he said, look, it's a false flag. It never happened. It's it's fake. It didn't happen. Or, you know, he, he, he went off on this. Um, in a video disposition posted online by the plaintiff's lawyers, he said he was influenced by something like psychosis when he opined that Sandy Hook was a hoax. Jones haters seized on this hazy metaphor like starving children diving at crumbs, said the lawyer. So they took that 
And um, they're basically trying to manipulate what he had said in order to say that the the families are being defamed, and and so the victims, the family, the victims of the the families of the victims. There, oh, mouth mouth vomit. Um, the families of the victims. Welcome in, Batman. They are are being defamed. They're being attacked. They're being victimized by what Alex Jones had said. And now, certainly, I don't agree with Alex Jones, and that's that's well within my rights. And he's well within his rights to say what he wants to do, uh, or what he wants to say. And and so the point that is coming here is that they're suing him and they're wanting to actually continue to remove more of his platforms, remove more of his reach, remove his capacity in order to um, provide information out there, whether it's true or not. That's not, that's not something that you get to, um, to handle. Um, The idea here that he made victims of people by the words that he said is is just nonsensical. We're moving into the victimhood mentality where if you say something that I don't like or you say something that's not true, then I get to pull a victim card in order to shut down your speech. It's it's just disgusting because think about it like this, right? When it came to the Russian collusion story, right? The thing that started back in 2016, Trump got elected. Russian collusion was the only reason why it came out. There was every media platform out there was discussing this, right? Rachel Maddow was very famous for pushing the conspiracy theory that Russia and Trump were getting involved with one another. And and that's why Trump was, was here was he was just a Russian puppet. If, if this were to stand with Alex Jones, then Rachel Maddow would no longer be allowed to to under the same legislation, under the same movement, under the same crimes. She would not be allowed to to be able to sit there and have her show anymore. You're it's okay to be wrong, right? It's okay to put out misinformation. And it's okay for me to call you out on putting out bad information. I've been a loud vocal um, uh, antagonist, if you will, of Alex Jones because Alex Jones does push out a lot of conspiracy. He puts out a lot of lies. I don't. I, I reject him just as much as I reject Rachel Maddow. And I don't want to see just because they push false stories. They 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 claim there's false flags. They claim that there's a manipulator. There's a a. a there's somebody being a puppeteer and somebody's being a puppet and you know you know doomsday is coming because of this that and the other i don't want them shut down for it i will happily tell anyone and everyone that would listen to my voice that they are not somebody you want to listen to because they are ridiculous they are conspiracy theorists and and a lot there may be some of the stuff that they say that may be true but that doesn't make all of it true and so there has to be discernment. That is that is something that is required if the First Amendment is going to stand. And I'm not going to say because some people are incapable or some people refuse or some people don't want to or some people are just too lazy to discern information that we get to go. Every single reporter, anyone who talks about anything must be 100% factual in every every instance. 
that would remove satire, that would remove comedic, uh, or that would remove comedy, and that would certainly remove anyone who's trying to get involved, get started up in, in journalism, and just doesn't have the same capacity as big news uh, or big media sources to make sure that they are getting uh, accurate and vetted information. So the, this entire thing with Alex Jones is really something that should scare anyone. And this is something that the lawyer was talking about. And I already had this, this opinion before I read it, but this really solidified for this. Um, folks should spend a lot less time here. Here he continues. Folks should spend a lot less time taking shots at Alex Jones and more time wondering what makes Jones possible. It's the same sort of question Trump's haters might ought to ask. Millions of voters and listeners flock to these men, not because they're crazy, but because they offer alternatives to mainstream narratives that fail to resonate with folks who have little to gain from tuning in to CNN, MSNBC, or reading the pages of the New York Times. Right. These are all those three organizations that he presented all push the narrative. They all push the Russian uh, Trump narrative for the entire two years. And so this gave them somebody else on the other side. So we got to you know, you want to have people be able to get whatever it is that they want to. That's a part of capitalism. But it's not up to the uh, up to us to shut down somebody because we don't like them. Before I chose, he continues, before I chose to represent Alex Jones, I ignored him. His views were too extreme for me and for me. He wasn't a figure I hated. He just didn't matter. He was, he was the town crier warning the end is nay. Now I defend him from you, you who want him silenced because you scare me more than he does. There is no mob quite so terrifying as self right as a self-righteous mob suppressing speech because it often, or it offends a majority of folks gives the power to censor speech. We're close to banning speech simply because it's hateful. Even Mark Zuckerberg now wants new legislation to limit speech. We've gone from wanting information to be free to fearing the heterodox. What motivates hate is fear. Alex Jones and his listeners are afraid of what this country is becoming. You are afraid of Alex Jones and his outlandish conspiracy theories. I'm not afraid of them. Uh, you're more the like. You're more alike than you think. Fight your differences out in the marketplace of ideas, but let's not fall down to the bottomless pit of censorship. Alex Jones is not psychotic, and neither I suspect are you. Although some days I'm not sure about either of you. And I, I think that that right there is, is spot on. Alex Jones is not psychotic. I mean, he does go on psychotic rants. doesn't make him psychotic. We can, we can question his mentality another time. And, and neither are we. But that doesn't mean that we, we should be silencing one another. And I think that that's a really, uh, really important thing. All right, give me one second, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it on the... Periscope, and I'm going to try and open it up on the other one. Let me see if I can get this going. All right. It looks like it might be working. Let me see if this is. Um, but the Alex Jones situation, why is that so important? Why is that so vital? It's because if we allow this censorship to happen, if I misspeak, if I offend somebody, if I say something about a war, if I say something about a, an actual situation. So when I talked about New Zealand shooter, if I were to say something that was inaccurate and then somebody felt victimized by it, my platform could be taken down. If I say something, um, that is clearly satire, but is not clear enough for somebody else who wants to find a reason to be offended, 
um, then I would be I would be held accountable for that. And that's just completely unacceptable. I should never be I should never be shut down because I say something that is satire based. And neither should you and neither should Alex Jones or or whoever um whoever it is. And and so I'm 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 fearful right now with the way that Alex Jones the situation has gone on with him being deplatformed on Periscope, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on uh, Patreon, on all of these other platforms. They're more than they're more than okay. It's more than acceptable for a platform to decide that they don't want to have said customers. Right? We would never force somebody to bake that cake. But if if a platform is willing to accept him on then it should be required. It should be required that the government stay the hell out of the way and not shut that down. And, and I don't know. I hope that this is, this is resonating that whether your, your gut feeling on him is that he's a good guy, he's an honest guy, he's a bad guy, whatever it is. I think that we should we should look at it in the grand scheme of things and just accept. I don't have to like him, I don't have to accept him. But at least let him let him be. At least let him be. So, I want to move on the Supreme Court. This is something that actually shocked me. So the Supreme Court rejected rejected uh, gun right advocates over the bump stock ban. So the bump stock ban in which the president, the commander-in-chief, the 45th president of the United States decided by whipping his pen around and enough circles and lines and dashes that he was going to turn thousands of Americans into, into felons overnight by putting in a bump stock ban, by actually legislating more gun control than what President Obama had ever done in the past. Did I just lose everybody? Hold on. All right, we're good. Um, So President Trump had actually enacted more legislation with one single bill that was more, that had more gun control than any gun control that was put in place during the times of Obama. These are not facts that I enjoy. These are not facts that I boast, but these are true. And so when it comes to this, there are many, um, there were many, uh, there was multiple plaintiffs. Um, and there was a group of them, uh, including the firearms policy foundation, that were challenging and trying to freeze this ban while the while the lawsuits go into place in order to prevent it from go, from coming into effect. Now the Trump administration is saying that they're not going to actively go out and search for Americans who have bump stocks, but if you are found to have one, you will spend up to ten years in jail for merely owning and possessing a weapon. Now I or possessing an accessory. To a weapon. Now, I'm not a, I'm not somebody who owns a bump stock. I am not somebody who has ever 
used a bump stock with the exception of I have used my finger on a trigger, which is all you need to make a bump stock or to, uh, to emulate a bump stock, if you will. But this doesn't mean that a mere possession of a piece of plastic, of a rubber band, of household objects that you can put onto a firearm in order to have its recoil help fire off the next round means that somebody should be in jail for the next 10 years. It's amazing that when we look at one of the common arguments um, for gun control or against gun control has always been that why are you going after the rifles? They're such a small, insignificant portion of the violence that's being committed, right? That's less than, it's about 5% of the homicides are committed in this country each year are done with rifles. And yet that has been the, the, the tip of the spear as to where the gun control left has been moving towards. That's what they've been going after, right? They've been saying these are weapons of war, despite the fact that the Air 15, they, they, Usually the topic is on AR-15. They say that it's a weapon of war, despite the fact that there's not a single war out there being fought with the AR-15 in the history of the AR-15. Um, they say that these can be fully semi-automatic in accordance with CNN and and some retired general or something. They, they, they put out a lot of atrocities. And, and at the end, when, when somebody looks at the statistics, they say it's less than 5%. Why are you going after those? Why aren't you going after handguns? Why aren't you going after semi-automatic handguns? That's where 70% of, of homicides are being committed by. Why don't you go after those? And, and so when it comes to this bump stock ban, the bump stocks are even less than that because you're not going to put a bump stock on most pistols. You're not going to put a bump stock on most rifles. A bump stock is on a portion, a fraction of the weapons, the firearms that are being used out there. And the bump stocks actually, by their by their structuring, help the weapon jam up quicker. So we're going after the shadow of a shadow. Welcome in, Lynn. And so they're going after the smallest thing. And for President Trump to come out there and push this ban, I actually agree with these groups in, in trying to freeze it. And there's only two Supreme Court justices. And I'm really sad because this was one of the stances that I was hoping Kavanaugh would be strong on, and he was not one of those two Supreme Court justices. The two Supreme Court justices that, that dissented from the rest, so seven to two, the two that dis- dissented was uh, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. They've been pairing up a, a lot lately, and what they've been pairing up on has been making me extremely excited. Because um, you'll see those two. It'll be a 7-2 decision, and and Clarence and Neil are both standing strongly in lockstep with, the, with one another. And uh, usually it's on the side of liberty. Usually it's on the side of, of government sucks. And uh, I've been... I've been entirely excited about that but um of course two votes are much less than seven and so the ban is continued on the ban requires owners to turn in or destroy the attachments people caught in possession of them could face up to 10 years in prison and the ban represents a rare recent instance of a gun control at the federal level in a country that has experienced a series of mass shootings in accordance with the hill or sorry this is Reuters. now what's funny about this Reuters is 
a series of mass shootings. They say mass shootings and they, they conflate things. What we see from the media constantly, whenever they talk about guns, is they're like, oh, well, there's a mass shooting. What was used? Oh, it was handgun. Oh, but we're going to throw that in when we talk about rifles. Or here we're talking about a bump stock ban in which the only mass shooter that we know of or that I, I, I was able to find in the last two years was only the Las Vegas shooter. So let's just implement it for this one, and we'll just, we'll just talk about all the mass shootings and say, look, we're making, making the world a much safer place. Uh, it, it, it's just malfeasance at this point. Um, I do want to transition what? over real quick. You guys will you guys will get excited for this. I, I'm sure you guys just heard a little bit of this. Um, great visual without hurting many. Yeah, but it hurts people though. That's the problem. That's the problem there, Lynn. It's hurting people, and that's the problem. So um, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit because I don't want you guys to think that I just hate the right. I hate the left much more. I hate the left much more. And recently there was a study that was done, and during this study. They found that the left, they said liberals, but I'm going to use the left because they're oftentimes people conflate the two and there's, there's stark differences between them. Um, but the left, when they speak to people of color, they speak differently. Um, they'll speak more simply. They will dumb down their speech, if you will, and they will try to make it more acceptable. In other words, they don't find that people of color are of the same intelligence as everyone else. And so they will do whatever it takes in order to, quote-unquote, assimilate, to blend in. And so I want to show you guys an atrocity, an absolute atrocity, because when you are so fake, I hope that more people are waking up to this. And so this is why it was so important that I would share this out with you guys. But here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaks in an accent that she never uses while telling a room of predominantly black people that there's nothing wrong with them folding clothes, cooking, and driving other people around on a bus for a living. Just give this a listen. Organizing looks like. This is what building power looks like. This is what changing the country looks like. Mm. It's when we choose to mm. show up and occupy the room and talk about the things that matter most, talking about our future. You know, I, Reverend, you bring up a, a funny anecdote, and I'm proud to be a bartender. Do you hear in the way that she's talking? She will draw it out. If you listen to any other time in which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaks, it is never like this. It is never like this. She is speaking down to people. And, and, and they're, I don't know if they're all eating it up, but it sounds like they're eating it up, and it's disgusting. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working retail, folding clothes for other people to buy. There is nothing wrong with preparing the food that your neighbors will eat. There is nothing wrong with driving the buses that... Do you hear that guy? He said, oh, girl, go on. Nah, he said, oh, girl, go home. Get out of here. Uh, it's what she should have said. But, but she goes into, like, the specifics. She goes into the specifics of what these what they should be doing or what they're doing in their communities and everything else. And I think it's just absolutely disgusting and reprehensible um, just to make an assumption based on somebody's skin color in order to say what they're doing. 
Oh, this is this is what the left is like the left who wants to point out and say, oh, it's all the libertarians. It's all of the Republicans. It's the conservatives. It's the Tea Party. They're the xenophobes. They're the racist. They're the sexist. This is when you have to talk down to somebody, when you have to change the way that you speak because of somebody's skin color and not because they've asked you to. When you change the the words, the vernacular that you're using in order to appeal to them, it's because you think that their skin color has an inherent difference to the way that they respond to things. This is classic textbook racism, and I, it, it, it's blatant. It's absolutely blatant. I want to I want to show you guys this also because um, people are already conflating her to the to the Hillary Clinton and and Ryan after getting it pointed out to him had shared this one out as well. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Mm. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Could you imagine? Can you imagine how? Oh, yes, we know that Hillary Clinton has done this. Hillary Clinton, the same woman who went on the radio and she was sitting in in, in the booth with uh, with the show hosts, and they were all people of color. And she was sitting there, and they were like, "What's something that you always have in your purse?" And she casually goes, "Oh, I've always got hot sauce." And the host chuckle. They have a, they, they laugh. It's a little bit of an uneasy laugh, but they laugh. Actually, let me pull that up for you guys because this is oh, this is stuff that you guys have to see. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen this, but I'm hoping that maybe at least one of you have not. Oh, so yeah, here we go. Sorry for the ad. No more questions? Oh, no. No, she has to go. What's, what's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just... sauce. Really? You... Yeah. Yeah. Really? Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it working? is it working oh so this is this is exactly what the left has been doing for years this is exactly what the left has been doing for years they'll pander they'll they'll lie they'll talk down they will belittle anyone and everyone in order to just appear to be so oh look at this i'm going to play to your stereotypes in order to be more appealing to you that sounds pretty disgusting it sounds like you're not a true person sounds like you're not proud of yourself sounds like you are not capable of being yourself and being honest with what's going on so just absolutely abhorrent and disgusting she sounds like she's talking to a group of preschoolers. I think you were talking about IOC at that point. Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. She, ugh. Mm. It's stuff like that that it just blows my mind. 
and for people just to accept it. People just accept it nowadays. The left who wants to criticize everything and anything. And sure, there's been a lot of disgusting things. Sir, uh, uh, Representative King, right, has said some disgusting things about race in the past. Um, they, Republican. So there's been disgusting things on both sides of the aisle that's been going on. But they always want to point to the other side, and they never want to point at themselves. They never want to look at themselves. So that, that lack of self-reflection has been a huge fundamental issue, and it needs needs to be need, oh, it needs to be handled. It, it surely does. <sighs> While we transition from that, um, Julian Assange. Julian Assange has been in in sanc- uh, not sanctuary. Yeah, he's been in sanctuary over there in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Yesterday, yesterday, a a Twitter account from WikiLeaks said that he will be ousted from that embassy within hours to days. A high-level source, here's the tweet, a high-level source within the Ecuadorian state has told WikiLeaks that Julian Assange will be expelled within hours to days using the INA papers offshore scandal as a pretext, and that is already in agreement with the UK for his arrest. So Julian Assange, who's been spending years inside the embassy, with very little contact with his wife and children, who's been had or who has had accusations and allegations pushed against him while he's been in these embassies in order to try to push him out, is now being charged with these INA papers. The problem with this. is that the move was an attempt by Ecuadorian President Lenin Moreno to cover up activities related to his use of an offshore tax haven created by his brother. This leak has sparked congressional uh, investigation into President Moreno for corruption. Moreno can't be summoned for a criminal probe while he remains president. Why did that page just go away? That's a bull. Um, let me let me pull it back up. Um So, Moreno can't be summoned for a criminal probe. Why is this doing this to me right now? While he remains president, he is currently being investigated risks impeachment. Assange lawyer said this week, according to the blog post, that the former editor has nothing to do with the so-called INA papers, which triggered the investigation. So, for a while, it's been known, it's been publicly known that, um, Julian Assange has not been involved over there at WikiLeaks, or he has not been the editor. And with him not being an editor, he's not seeing a lot of this information come through. He's not vetting it. He's not um, making sure he's not picking and choosing what's going out there. He's just sitting in the embassy. And so if they're able to pull him out on on these accusations, then what we're going to see What we are going to see is he's going to go through all these different – he's going to go and he's going to face all of the uh, different countries that have 
placed accusations against him, and he's going to probably be facing life in prison multiple times over, including here in the U.S. Because last year, under uh, under seal in the U.S., he has been uh, facing charges. Sorry, Assange faces charges filed last year under seal in the U.S. and has been battling attempts by the Trump administrations to extradite him to the U.S. So President Trump, a man who's been against leakers entirely, it is no wonder that he would go after Julian Assange, even though even though Julian Assange himself has been one of the guys that's been helping this out. Um he helped him get elected. Let's let's be honest. If you if we all remember back to the uh August to the September and the October of 2016, we remember that WikiLeaks was a was a vital part for a lot of people being able to push out um information that was both vetted and accurate and honest about the Hillary Clinton Foundation, about the Hillary Clinton team and and the campaign overall, as well as some of the, the key people uh, surrounding that, being able to un- to uncover the truths that have been there, um, which which drove an even uh, an even heavier stake in the heart of the Hillary Clinton campaign, despite the fact that she was one of the two worst uh, presidential candidates in history. All right, I, got, I want to read this comment real quick. So this is, I don't, uh, what she's doing is taking what is just normal behavior and blatantly blatantly cover, converting it to advocate uh, the balkanization of people. I was literally looking at the poster at work that read, if you see any evidence of bias or hate, report immediately to the bias task force. What in the flying fuck does that even mean? I feel like they're 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 hateful towards you for... For reading that, I, I I have no idea. I have no, I have absolutely no idea. What the hell is a biased task force? They seem biased against hate. But I, I digress. I digress on 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 that. So I'm I'm worried about the Julian Assange thing because something that's been clear from President Trump and from a lot of the presidents. And a lot of the the government officials is that the that the Julian Assange's the the Edward Snowden's these are all people that need to be taken down. They need to be thrown into a cage and locked up for for long periods of time because they've released information about the government. While I understand that is in the interest of the government, which one is more in line with with what? The founding fathers wanted and and the purpose and the tenor of what the First Amendment is about, right? To redress your grievances. Releasing information that is honest, that has been vetted, and that does not put innocent bystanders at risk. I would say should be information that can be released if it's damning about the the government. And certainly when we talk about Edward Snowden, Snowden, uh, that was definitely the case, right? When he's talking about the NSA and and wiretapping the people and getting all this information, that is something that is good for the American populace to know. To know that Big Brother is not just – it's just not a conspiracy theory to think that big government is there listening in on on all of your conversations – that Big Brother is not 
just reading all of your emails if you're not on uh, a cryptid uh, email server. Unless it's in your bathroom, then they probably never listen at all. But, um, you know, Edward Snowden was one of those guys, and, and President Trump has been wanting to go after him as well. So both of these individuals have helped the American populace and have gone against the government's wishes. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not able to go and look to see what it is that they want to extradite uh, Assange for. But my fears are that it's because he's defamed the government. And that shouldn't be a crime at all. If that's a crime, then I've, I'm guilty of it as well because the government is terrible. Just, just absolutely terrible. There's not a single thing that the government does that it, that it says that it will do that does it as efficiently or as effectively um, as what they, they promise us. They, it just doesn't happen. It never happens, and it never will, especially for a long period of time. So I'm, I'm fearful for that. Um. While we're talking about Trump a little bit and and things not going the way that we expected and thing going the way that we wanted to, um, President Trump tweeted two days ago: "Congress must get together and immediately eliminate the loopholes at the border. If no action, border or large sections of border will close. This is a national emergency." So President Trump tweeted this out and, and, you know, his issue has been, and it's been since the time on the campaign, that too many people are coming through our our porous border, that we have to have border security, that we need a wall, and we need to have um, border patrol being able to surveil the area, prevent uh, human trafficking, drug trafficking, and and just regular trafficking um, across our border into our country where people are, are falsely claiming asylum. They're bringing their, their children and the children are dying of dehydration. Um, you know, women are being sexually assaulted. Children are being sexually assaulted. And there's, there's been a lot of atrocities there. And so president Trump is trying to get Congress together to change that. He wants them to come together to change that. And he's, he's standing again on his national emergency in order to see this change happen. The national emergency that we've, we've covered a couple of times here and coming from this, the media's take on this was just downright amazing. The media's take on this was downright amazing. Um, between some of the stories that the, the actual media was covering and then the late night show hosts were talking about it. And, and this became a quick wildfire, a California wildfire across the social media platforms that this would mean that in three weeks we would be without avocados. How are the millennials going to survive? And I, it clicked for me. That's how they're going to get get the millennials involved on this. How are we going to get the, the younger generation? Because the younger generation is either further to the left or further to the, to the, uh, you know, some of them are, are, are uh, Trump supporters, but you have more people that are coming out libertarian and more people that are coming out left. And, and how do you get them involved on this? And if you get rid of avocados, if you don't have any avocados, you can't have any avocado toast. 
And we're, we don't want to see problems solved like that. We don't want to see people be able to, to go without their avocados. And I had, I had one of my friends on my Facebook page say that avocado is an honorary meat substitute. If avocado is anything more than just something that holds down your trash bag at the bottom of your trash can, you're not using it right. It doesn't belong in your house. And so the media got everybody spun up about this. My wife is still angry at me for making for talking trash about the avocados. But if that's the best reason why the, the media says that we shouldn't be shutting down the border, kind of shows you that they aren't paying attention. Kind of shows you that they they the, how honest that of a situation that they, they really think that this is. And uh, I hope one day, I hope for one day they can uh, they can come together and come out with some logical crap. If you want to make the world a, a, a different from what it is, you don't use avocados as the the grand plan, if you will. Uh, but but honestly, President Trump did go down to the southern border today. He had a a nice meeting where he had many officers. He went to California. Um, he had some of the officers, the Border Patrol agents and, and uh, Secretary uh, Nielsen down there. They they spoke about some of the atrocities that are going on. They spoke about some of the anecdotal stories that have been going on where Border Patrol agents have been saving people's lives and, and helping out and supporting and calling out for against the sanctuary state itself. You know, they, they were reaching out to their city councils to try to make their cities not a sanctuary city. But nonetheless, the state uh, legislators had authority over that because we're all about centralizing the power here in America rather than decentralizing it. Um, this would be a great reason, right? This would be a great reason to even say, look, the state powers, the state authorities are, are far too much, right? I'm somebody that doesn't want to give this to the federal government. So I don't even want to give it to the state government. Let's give it to the cities down there along the way. Let's give it to the counties. And allow them to dictate on how that goes. And if if the first wave, the first line of defense down there, the first counties across the way don't want to step up and, and ensure the protection across the border, then uh, the next counties can. And when those counties say, look, you know what? We can sell this. We can sell that county off to uh, the county in between us and Mexico. We'll sell that off to Mexico. You, you could do it that way, right? There's there's many ways there's many ways to skin a cat, and I think that we are just uh, I think that the walls still is not a, a great idea, but nonetheless, I digress. Um, avocados, though, I know Spike Spike. If you if you're watching, I know that you're upset right now. I'm talking trash about the avocados still. If you eat avocados, I'm sorry you make bad decisions with your life. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right, I want to. I told you guys I'd bring it back here to Greenville, South Carolina. In Greenville, South Carolina, here's how the the, the article um, from Fox Carolina. This is how it's headed up. Greenville police arrest a woman believed to be baby's mother in Julie Valentine killing. Father not charged. So a woman killed her is believed to be a baby's killer, her own daughter. Why is this so important? Well, this is actually a 30-year-old case. 
On Thursday, Greenville Police Chief uh, Ken Miller announced an arrest on Julie Valentine's case. Police said they identified and charged the mother in the nearly 30-year-old police or uh, 30-year-old case after tracking down the father through DNA. Julie Valentine was the name the police gave a newborn baby girl found dead in a Kenmore vacuum cleaner box in a field in February 1990 off the 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 road now named Verde Boulevard. The box was covered with beddings and rags. And you can look at this in, in it really was just a vacuum cleaner box and a baby thrown inside. Uh, Julie Valentine went on to become a symbol for child abuse prevention in Greenville County. And she actually has, uh, there's a Greenville based nonprofit that helps victims of sexual assault and child abuse that actually renamed itself to be Julie Valentine. The way that they found this out was that they had found the father's DNA, got in contact with him, and then he was able to give information to be able to find the mother. Now, why is this important? Why is this vital? Why, why, why did I think that this was such an important story to talk about? Because if we look at what happened in Virginia, if we look at what happening, or what was happening in New York when it comes to the abortion bills, um, when you have the legislators saying – we're going to let all this to, uh, to go through. We haven't had Cuban cigars for 50 years. I can live without Mexican avocados for a couple of weeks. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, why is this so important? Because when you had Ralph Northam actually um, talking about infanticide, what is the difference between leaving your child in a vacuum cleaner box in the middle of a field and having your doctor and having the mother have a discussion about should we save this child's life sitting out there um, that's outside of the mother's womb that should be taken care of? What is the difference? There really isn't one. One is neglect by one person and the other is neglect by medical team and, and the mother. I, I look at this situation. There's, I, I fail to see a difference between the two. So if we're going to hold people accountable, and I think that this was, was absolutely the right decision was to go after and to, to charge the mother for, for the killing of, of a child that is incapable of being able to take care of itself. Um, then the same should be done for any mother and any doctor that says, look, we wanted to abort this child, but the child wasn't aborted. The child is alive sitting here on the table next to us. I'm not just going to make it comfortable and just let it starve or let it die. I'm actually going to save its life because even though I tried to murder it, I failed to do so. So that doesn't justify me murdering it or attempting to murder it again. And this time through neglect. It... It just speaks so, so loudly. This is such a huge issue. And this is, this is a woman that has had multiple, um, multiple issues in the past. She, she just doesn't sound like a very good person. She, uh, she had a number of other arrests for fraudulent checks for financial transaction, card fraud, breach of trust and a court charge of lynching second degree in 2001 case. She, uh, she also had three charges in 2006 for forgery. So this is not a good woman. Uh, let her sit in there and rot away. Like I, I, this, these are the times in which I have no issues. I have absolutely no issues. 30 years later, you took the life of somebody sit in jail. Think about what you did. And, uh, 
Now you're obviously not going to be able to have that opportunity once again. Uh, got two more stories and then all oh, three more stories. And then we'll get to the taxation is theft, but not in accordance with what Ben Burgess says. He says that it's not that. So we will go through his little, little discussion there and, uh, break that apart. Um, so over the week, over the counter birth control bill launched by Senate Republicans. That's right. Senate Republicans want to help out with birth control in the country. What is standing in the way? The FDA. What always stands in the way of, of medical uh, drugs being able to hit the market, be able to be provided at an easier and a more leisure way, being able to have more competitors? It is always the FDA. Now, a new promo- proposal in the U.S. Senate would help federal regulators fast track the approval process for converting the hormonal contraceptive bills, pills from prescription to over-the-counter drug status. Known as allowing greater access to safe and effective contraception act, it was introduced this week by Republican Senators uh, Joni Erst and Cory Gardner from Iowa and Colorado, respectively. Only the FDA can approve the conversion upon request from petitioning drug maker. That's why recent movements to free the bill in stage uh, in states such as California and Oregon have only been able to dismantle the requirement for, for a doctor to write the prescription. There should be no reason why if somebody wants to have a, uh, a birth control that they need to get a doctor's prescription. Oh, I don't want to have a baby. Well, you got to go see a doctor. That's freaking expensive because government involvement. Uh, now these women in these states can theoretically get a prescription on the spot from pharmacists, but it's still not the over-the-counter sales situation that public health bodies recommend. Yes, so we're working towards that way. And I want to I make something clear about this. When it comes to, it requires the FDA to approve this conversion. Um, a lot of people have issues when it comes to healthcare. They want to talk about, oh, it's about the insurance company. It's the third-party insurance companies that cause the cost to be so high. Other people want to say, no, it's because there's it's it's uh, a the competition. Um, it's because we don't have single payer. It's because we don't have um, Affordable Care Act in its in its entirety. It's because of this, that, and the other. Whatever it is, we don't have national health care. Whatever it is, these are these. There may be some truth to a little bit of of those facts, but the biggest portion of what has caused the atrocities is not only the legislation that's been put into effect, and we talked about the uh, certificate of needs before, um, and we've talked about some of the acts that have been passed, such as the COBRA Act and, and the Affordable Care Act, but it's also this FDA, because when the FDA goes, man, we're going we're gonna to make it to where there's a, a high barrier, there's a lot of charge to be, to even put your bill or your drugs out there to be checked out and to be accepted when there's a large barrier there, you're only preventing more com- competition. You're only preventing more people from being able to put their drugs up there that would have otherwise saved lives, otherwise prevented, uh, uh, con- or prevented babies from being formed. Um, or whatever the purpose of those drugs are. You're only preventing that, and so you're stifling the competition. So there is an issue with the government legislation, but there is also an issue in the way that the FDA has been ran and will continue to run for as long as it exists. It stands in the way of the competition. It stands in the way of drugs being as efficient and effective and for allowing competition to thrive. 
It's a huge issue. Congress can't, all right, I continue. Congress can't change the status of birth control pills on its own, but the Ernst Garner bill would at least speed up the approval process by directing the Secretary of Health and Human Services to give priority review to any supplemental act application submitted for contraceptive drug with respect to routine use. It would also waive the application fee for anyone submitting the application. Those are both very beautiful things, right? Let's give it priority. Put it out there. Let's start making this change. Let's make healthcare. Let's get the contraceptives more affordable by allowing more people to get in there by removing the application fee. So they're they're really trying to streamline this beautiful bill. Let's see if it gets passed. I'm, I'm hoping that it will. It would be amazing to see somebody not get in support of this. And with two Republicans putting it up there, you're probably going to be able to get a couple more Republicans and Democrats should surely be involved with this. Hopefully it doesn't get into the to the partisan hackery and people going, ah, it's, it's a Republican putting it up there. I'm not going to vote for it. And Republicans going, I don't want to touch health care. Um, French pharmaceutical company, HRA Pharma and Research Group, uh, IBIS uh, Reproductive Health announced in late 2016 they were teaming up to conduct research needed to apply for over-the-counter approval of an oral contraceptive pill. The typical FDA process from the time a drug company begins an application process until a pill is available over the counter is approximately three to five years. Three to five years to be able to get this stuff out there. It needs to be changed. And uh, certainly we'll we'll get more uh, in-depth with the certificate of need and that whole entire conversation at a later time. Um, actually, we're just going to do... Let's, let's just get into the taxation is, is theft or is not theft. So what I'm going to take you guys into, and like I said before, um, if you guys listened to part of the problem, you guys listened to Dave Smith, you guys would have seen this already um, through his show. But I want to share it with you guys as well um, through here because it is, it is important that we cover it. And so, so this, is, this is the Michael Brooks show. And Michael Brooks is is a lefty. He's got a lefty show, and he's brought on um, Ben Burgess. And Ben Burgess is a uh, a college professor that um, that teaches logic. And what he does here is he's got an argument about taxation is not theft, which cannot be further from the truth. Taxation is theft. Uh, the basis of it is when you, regardless of whether you're taking 1% or 100% of somebody's product or, or property, without their consent, it is theft. Let's see if he actually handles that idea at all. Look at the way he's just making that seem so honest. Taxation and stamp. <laughs> Snarf. Ben.
basement dwelling libertarians. Yes, that's right. Let's not let's not go after the people. Let's go after the argument. Oh, sorry, logical fallacy from the professor there. Misrepresentation there. Taxation is wrong because it's theft. No, taxation is theft. That's the argument. So he he takes that argument, he takes the Medicare Medicare for all, and he says, look, you're going to pay less. And so if you're going to pay less, it's not theft. It's not theft, guys. We're taking more money from you because you, you're paying that to somebody else. So we're going to take less from you, and we're going to try to give you a better service. Well, if I don't consent to that, you're still taking from me. So if I'm, if I'm paying, right, if I'm paying my mechanic to fix my car, I have my mechanic, I like this guy, this guy does good work, and I keep paying him to fix my car Everything, every time something happens, and the government or somebody else, let's not even use the government, if somebody else decides to come up and steal my money and take my car and do the work on my car, and they give me, or they, they, they take less money, did they have my consent? No, they did not. Did they have my permission? No, they did not. So they have not only stolen my property by stealing my car, but they also stole my money. And so he still doesn't touch the idea that taxation is theft. He doesn't touch that idea yet. Um, and and it's, it's just ridiculous. I also like how Michael Brooks here just sitting there on his telephone. You know, he's got to he's got to tweet up a storm. You know what I'm saying? He's a mouth breather. So if it's my money, if it's my money, even if he wants to use a Republican in order to justify this, if he wants to take somebody else and say, they said it's your money, whoever says it's my money, it means that I have ownership of it. If I have ownership of it, you don't own it. You don't get to take it. You don't get to do with it as you please and say, it was your money. I spent it. I did what I wanted to do with it. It was your car. I took it. I drove it around and I crashed it. My bad. You can't get mad. It's not theft. I I declared it not theft. This guy continues on for another another ten minutes. And the interest the interesting thing is is that when it comes to left in these topics, the simplicity of what libertarianism is, the simplicity that you own yourself, you own your property. Your property is yourself, so you own yourself again. That you have inherent rights, you have natural rights that should not be infringed. 
and that to infringe upon them, regardless of who you are, regardless of what entity you may deem yourself to be, does not give you the authority to infringe upon that and, and, and to take away from somebody without their consent. It is such a simple ideology, but it is consistent and it is logical. And even a professor, a professor that that says that he is within the logic or that he is a professor of logic, can't even handle a simple logic um, claim, logical claim that is taxation is theft. Instead, he runs around and he, he undermines it. He cuts it down and he tries to make it as minimized and small as. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Oh, let me let me go back again. I'm so sorry. So here we go. I am so terribly sorry for that. We have an argument to debunk today, and that is the classical libertarian chestnut that taxation is theft. Why is it not theft? Excellent. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Once again, Michael Brooks accurately says it. Taxation is theft. He may sound like a dweeb when he says it. He may be trying to undercut libertarians a little bit, but nonetheless, he actually says it accurately. Um, says it accurately, right? Here's where Ben Burgess intentionally misrepresents what it is. I think uh, judging by the reaction on Twitter, this is something that people really wanted to hear. And I think that's probably the case for a couple reasons. Uh, one of them is just that if you've ever uh, argued about politics on social media, sooner or later, inevitably you are going to run into basement-dwelling libertarians who are obsessed with this argument. Basement-dwelling libertarians. Got to make the attack on the person, not on the argument. It's a logical fallacy from the professor of logics. Argument that taxation is wrong because it's theft. Taxation is wrong because it's theft. No, taxation is theft, and therefore it's wrong. Distinct difference. Or a subtle difference, but, but distinct. But also, I think more substantively, it's the place where a lot of arguments with right-wingers kind of hit a wall. So, Right-wingers hit a wall. No, no, no. It's, it's where right-wingers hit the truth. They hit the basic logic. They hit the basic logic that taxation is theft. Why are you going to advocate for more of, of an immoral thing? Now, this is where you have to actually say... You actually have to justify it in some way. And you have to say, look, I need to, to get your consent. And this is where the this is where the left has always been been failing on this argument, always been failing on this discussion. And that is that when I say, right, and, and I've done this multiple times on Twitter, on Facebook, on all these different platforms, where I say, no, no, see, you don't get to advocate for more taxation because taxation is theft. You don't get to advocate more atrocities against people. You don't infringe upon people uh, in their lives. And then they go, well, you know, I'm trying to make their lives better. And it's like, I understand your good intentions. So why does it have to go through with force? So you have to force these systems upon people. It's not that they consent. It's not that they want they may want the system, which then they have to obviously pay for the system. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, but you either you either 
pay for the system and you, you get involved with the system, or if you don't consent, you should never be forced into these things. And so you move it down to the argument, good ideas don't have to be forced upon you. A good society, a civilized society doesn't force people into these things, doesn't force anyone into anything that they don't want to be a part of. Um, and the left is completely ignoring that basic premise. One of the other basic premises of what libertarianism is, that voluntary um, or good ideas don't require force. So it doesn't require implementing Medicare for all by force over everybody. It means that you actually put up a better system and where you say, look, everyone gets a better quality thing here. So you would be better to come here voluntarily, get involved on this program, get involved on this side. If you can't make it work on your own, why should I have to pay for it? Why should I have to be, um, why should we be the burden of something, especially when there's no no guarantee of its success? There's only a guarantee that it will successfully cost us money. Um, allow for the competition to uh, either keep your idea afloat and to better it and to crumble the comp competitors or allow us to have those competitions to where if your good idea, your grand idea, your grand scheme of things, if it fails – it means that we still have a way to stay afloat. Instead of putting everyone's lives at risk, instead of putting everyone's health care on the line, instead, allow us to have a safety line. It's something that the left refuses because they want to force it upon everyone and take those taxes. Even if you, you know, convince somebody that if we had Medicare for all, that the amount of taxes that, you'd be, that most people would be paying for that, would be less than what they're paying right now uh, for private insurance premiums. Yeah, so you guys can hear it now? All right. Uh, they don't care because... So so he just went back into the Medicare for All thing, and, and certainly we got into this earlier, but... Um, so he got into the Medicare for all and he said, look, you know, if, if there's if if we're taking less money from you and this is where I use the the car analogy, the mechanic analogy. Right. I've got my mechanic, uh, Todd, and Todd's been doing my car. He's been doing good service. I trust him. I rely on him. Anytime any any creaks, moans or groans from the car, I take it to him. He gives me a good service, takes care of me. He doesn't doesn't jib me, doesn't. There's never an issue with Todd. Um and then Bill decides, hey, I'm going to come in. I'm going to jack your car. I'm going to take the money that you were going to give to to Todd. I'll give you a refund for a little bit of it, and I'll give you your car back. Todd still stole from me. He still stole my car, and he still stole my money. Just because he gave me something in return doesn't mean that I consented to the transaction. Now, if I don't own my car, if I don't own my money, then there, there isn't an issue. But the problem is, is that we still have ownership. We have ownership here within the judicial system implemented here in the United States, and also by natural rights and by natural laws, ownership exists. And so because I own stuff doesn't mean that you have the authority to take it away from me. Well, okay. If you're and when you do take stuff from me, it is theft paying private insurance premiums, that's voluntary. You know, you're choosing to do that, right? You could just die, uh, you know, for not having... You could just die. <laughs> health insurance. 
but you know, if you if taxation, you know, the force that's the government, you know, making you do it, right? Uh, they're taking your money, and that's an idea that even though it, it kind of originates with these uh, hardcore purist libertarians, really filters down into regular conservatism, right? Like. You know, I'm in my late 30s, so I can remember the 2004 election when one of the uh, the Bush Cheney uh, campaign uh, billboards. You know, uh, one of the big ones was that said, "It's your money." Look at that face. That is a face of I have really no idea what's going on right now. I've been mouth breathing this entire time. It's funny, right? Because these these are both people. These are uh, Michael Brooks and and Ben Burgess have both been sitting there just trashing libertarianism as much as they can and, and trashing libertarians themselves. Um, because that's 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 what lefties do. So it's it's good that we have a mouth breather on the right, and we've got this guy with the uh, little bit of a neck beard down there, and uh, such a friendly guy, such a friendly little little lefty loon, if you will. Right, and so right. it's the same idea that it's your money, and the government is taking taking it from you. And I think a lot of times uh, leftists and progressives, socialists don't really know what to make of this argument. They kind of say, "Well, all right." They don't know what to make of it because they can't handle the basic truth, and and neither can Ben. The entire time of this, have we seen where Ben says, "Look, if I take something from somebody else, it's." It's not theft because I declared it to not be theft. It is theft every time. It is theft every time. It doesn't matter who the entity is being taken from. It doesn't matter who the entity is, is, is bringing it to. If you take from one entity without the consent of that entity, it is theft every single time, regardless of who it is. And so this is something that he has not been able to hit on. And it's certainly not something that he can hit on. And so when he talks about they hit a wall in the argument, it's because they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle a basic, simple truth such that is taxation is theft. Now, I will actually agree that taxation is not just theft. It's not just theft. Taxation is actually extortion. Taxation is extortion because there is a threat of violence behind taxation. If you do not pay your taxes, what happens to you? The court will subpoena you to court. If you refuse to still pay your taxes, they will throw you into jail. If you refuse to go to jail, what happens? They then you are resisting arrest and they can they can and have in the past kill you over that. So there is an inherent threat of violence, whether it is the threat of violence of being put into a cage or the threat of violence of actual police violence being uh, pushed against you. Uh, it is extortion. And and I got to give a shout out to Shane Sweeney. Uh, I don't know if you're in the listening audience, but uh, Shane Sweeney said something very early on in our relationship, and it, it's been fitting, and it, and, it, and it works out quite well. But taxation is slavery because we live in an uncivilized society. And I completely agree with that idea because a civilized society doesn't force anyone to do anything that they don't wish to do, right? It doesn't require force 
but good ideas don't require force. And so a civilized society is a good idea and it doesn't require forcing anyone to do anything that they don't wish to do. And certainly that means that we don't take from their paycheck. We don't take from their labor. We don't take from what they own. We don't have a, we don't steal from them after they die. We don't steal from them because they, they, um, buy food or whatever it is. You be a good society because you take care of one another, not because you steal from one another. So let's continue on with it. Uh, maybe there's some other thing that I care about that you know. I, I just I think that like, you know, these important needs served by social programs would be financed by redistributive taxation. Or if you're a socialist, I, I think there are all these good reasons to actually nationalize things. So you see, he's he's explaining the justification of why the theft should happen, but he never handles that theft is theft. But I don't know. I don't know what to say about this argument that that's bad. It's coercive. It's taking stuff from people, other than maybe that something else is more important. Exactly. He doesn't know what to say because he can't handle it. He right there admits himself that this is not a topic that he's equipped to handle because he can't handle it. There's no one there. There's no one out there that can lay out a a clear and defined reason as to why stealing from one another is not theft. And that's not a bad response in itself. It's not that it's... Um, it's not a bad response in itself. It just ignores the entire topic. ...understanding of how moral and political reasoning works, but they think that it's not never acceptable. Like- so he continues on for another 10 minutes. It is it is just that, that, that same leftist trope um, of ignore the question, ignore the topic, and run with whatever it is that we decide that we want to run it into. He talks about moral authority, and, so, and basically uh, the way that that would work is as the government, they, they own the money, and so they get to take what, what is theirs. Um, he also goes into, um, if you guys listen to the, the Dave Smith, he actually justifies that uh, the government should be taking away from the Jews prior prior to and during Hitler's regime. Um, you know, it, just atrocities like that, they're willing to accept and, and endorse because they believe that the government should have any and all authority over anything and everything. Um, the people are truly egregious and reprehensible, but um, it, it just shows. It just, the proof is in the pudding. It's all right there. It's all baked in the cake. That they are incapable of arguing against the idea that taxation is theft because taxation is theft. At least have an honest conversation and say, yeah, it's theft. And and, and certainly um, we want to do as little bad as possible. But I think that there's more value here with this theft rather than not having any theft at all. Right. At least have an honest conversation and don't do what the professor of logic that has displayed none during this um, tried to do and, and undermine all of it. So with that, guys, I want to I want to thank you guys for coming out here and, and sticking through the uh, the couple of errors there of not having sound during the video. But uh, thank you guys all so much for, for joining in tonight. Uh, it's Friday night, so don't drink and drive or ride with those who do. You have family and friends who care about you and love you deeply, and they want you to, to get back and safe here for next week. Monday, starting off, kicking off with a beard. Tuesday night, you'll have uh, Muddy Waters of Freedom with both Spike and Matt. 
uh, coming back. And uh, Wednesday and Thursday, we will see if Spike and Matt are being able to, to run their own shows again and following that up with Friday night with me wrapping up the week once again. Uh, lots of topics covered tonight. Apologize again for the couple of technical difficulties. But uh, other than that, guys, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. You stay safe. You guys have uh, as as good of a time as you can. And uh, I will see you guys back here on Monday night, around 7 p.m. Eastern. Have a good one. I'll see you guys there. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Have a good one. Oh.